The What's This Full House Edition podcast is part of the What's This Edition podcast network, where you can check out other great shows like the What's This Disney Edition podcast, where Amy and Savannah go really deep into the Walt Disney collection from start to finish. So check out those other great shows on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and other really great platforms. Thank you so much for listening. I am on a mission of sorts to go through every Full House episode in order and break it all down to give you the full feel of what Full House is all about. From character analysis to even a psychological breakdown, I am determined to get through all eight seasons of this phenomenal show. As always, I am your host, Amy, and thanks for joining me and becoming a part of my Full House family. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the What's This Full House Edition podcast with your host, I am Amy, as usual. Today is going to be really interesting, and you know why? It's because we are on episode 21 called Mad Money, but before we even get into the episode... As I talked about a little bit before at the end of the last episode, this episode, Mad Money, has a commentary on the special features. If you have the first season DVD, you can check this out too. It's a commentary with our very own Jeff Franklin. So as we know, Jeff Franklin is the creator of Full House. He's directed most of the episodes he's a producer he's done movies he's done all sorts of stuff with film and television and he's just great and he has a lot of good things to say about this episode and I and I don't know why this one was chosen for a commentary but it's interesting what he does talk about in it so before we even get into the actual episode of Mad Money I'm going to go through kind of what was talked about Throughout this commentary, so what he starts off with saying about this episode is that the theme song, let's start at the beginning here, and he talks about the theme song and how it is a solid one minute and 20 seconds long. So by this time in television, that was an extremely long theme to have. You're going to have people like sitting there staring at this theme song for a minute, almost a minute and a half without any actual episode going on. This also kind of comes into, okay, well, we have a minute, 20 seconds in our beginning credit sequence. So that's kind of taking away from the actual episode where we could put other things here and there. We're kind of wasting time. And also the studio was afraid of, you know, uh, okay, yeah, Full House is on TV right now. And then they, they turn the TV on and they're sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and then they change the channel. So that was a kind of a fear that the, the, the studio had at the time. They didn't want people to be disinterested in the show because the theme was so long. So as we know, the theme kind of shortens throughout the show it does, for the first time, it will change in season two. But we'll get there. We'll talk about that when we do episode one of season two after our last episode, which is coming up next, which I'm really excited to just get over with season one because season two, my word, 
so many great episodes in that season. And I'm really happy and excited to be going there, finally. So Jeff Franklin kind of goes into talking about the Olsen twins a lot in this commentary. We're only going to cover a few things here because I don't want to take too much time talking about the Olsen twins. We know from episode one where I, I, I that episode as well has a commentary with Jeff Franklin, and you can listen to that as well on the DVD bonus features. But we go on to talk about how right now, where we are, the Olsen twins are 19 months old. They've really kind of uh, became these little actresses, and they were more comfortable on the set. They were listening to the other actors and the you know, things going on. They were paying attention to the scene. And I thought this was really interesting, too, because there is a particular scene in this episode where Stephanie, it's actually right in the beginning, she walks behind that infamous couch and pulls out Michelle from the backside of the couch. And then Jeff Franklin really kind of broke this open because there was a woman hiding behind that couch, kind of hurting whoever, whichever twin it was, was back there with this woman. Her name was Adria Later. She was the onset uh, teacher for the kids of the show, and she was the baby wrangler, if you will. So she was there to kind of make sure the Olsons were comfortable and that all the guidelines were adhered to as far as how long they were going to be under the hot lights, how long they could be on the set, just kind of protecting their um, infantness, I guess, because they are still babies. And, you know, they're they've got to be respected just like anybody else, if not more here. Um, they're, they're 19 months old and working a full time job for crying out loud. I mean, so this woman, Adria, was constantly hiding around the set. I really watched um, I watched this episode twice just to make sure that I didn't accidentally see her back there. I was trying to get a glimpse, but I didn't get one, unfortunately. She's, she is not visible. She's very good at her job. So she was always on the set, kind of hiding here and there, wrangling Michelle wherever they needed her to be for that particular scene or whatnot. And so that was really you know, really interesting. And as we know that the Olsen twins in the early or the late 80s, early 90s, even, they were one of the most famous celebrities in the world. You know, their TVQ score, as we spoke about in episode one um, in that commentary, they were right under Bill Cosby at the time. And Bill Cosby was tremendously famous. He was he was over over the board famous. And so the twins were right underneath him as far as fame went there. So ov obviously when the Olsen twins filmed the live show in front of a studio audience, they would get the biggest applause. They would get the biggest woohoos and all of that. They were the most popular characters on the show. And I don't think it had anything to do with the Michelle part of it at all. They were just so good at being natural, and the fact that they were infants blows my mind that they could kind of take this over, but not realize it, but also realize it. It's just, 
crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. So Jeff Franklin in this commentary goes on about kind of how the show moved around a lot in the first season as far as TV times and, you know, between episodes five and six, the studio was like, you're getting terrible reviews and, and we don't know if we want to keep you on the air. Like, we, we just, we, you don't have staying power right now and we need to do something different to basically save you. And um, so they, they, changed, they kept changing the times of the show, what days it would be on, what time it would be on, and they were playing around a lot with it. They eventually brought it to the studio and said, like, we're begging you. Like, give us another chance, basically. Like, give us one more shot. We'll do whatever time and day you want to put us on, but we're going to do our best here. And they eventually were awarded, essentially, um, another six to eight episodes, being able to conclude season one. And then as the beginning of season two started, the same time and day they were on was actually a very, very important because it just shot the show into space. Like people were talking People were finally engaging the way that they wanted the audience to engage in the show. And it basically, what happened was this changing of time and day is so weird because you wouldn't think, you would think like Friday night or Saturday night would be more popular, but actually it became Tuesday. Tuesday night was their biggest night of viewers. So that was really interesting. They ended up pretty much saving the show at that point, the studio was was uh, going to give up on them. Um, they, uh, they even said that they didn't even have anything better to put on the network. So they just chose to put Full House and said, oh, well, we'll kind of risk it here. So they finally started getting some positive press and people were getting really into it and all of this. And it just really skyrocketed after season one, which I don't even know how that's possible. Season one is, out of the whole show, I would say season one and season two are the funniest. They have the best scripts. Stephanie's lines, I'll say it time and time again, she's got the best lines I've ever heard in my life. You know, it's it's like, how did this get bad reviews? I mean, how did, what were people, what were people thinking was funny? back then because today for one it holds up um i.e me discussing it um almost like the, what 35 years later I'm just saying like this stuff holds up it really does so after Jeff Franklin kind of concluded this um talk about the ABC studio and all of this he really got into the real meaning of the show and how he really was pushing for family oriented. He wanted to take the characters and have each episode kind of go back and forth on each character. So remember like throughout season one so far, we've seen episodes about DJ. We've seen episodes about Stephanie. We've seen episodes about 
Danny and Jesse and Joey, like, all separate. So this episode, Mad Money, is kind of a little different in that way, in that we have two completely independent adult stories going on. So we'll get into it when we get into the episode. I'll explain further there. But Jeff went on to say that the characters um, were like so known by the actors, like the actors just just naturally awoken these characters and they didn't even really need acting notes. And it was more about fine tuning and maybe add or subtract to the script. But they were just so natural and you can see it. You can definitely see it. These guys were real life friends. They hung out. They were buddies. And when you have that kind of friendship, it's just it comes naturally. And those guys didn't need a whole lot of training, a whole lot of acting classes. They weren't. They didn't need any of that. Plus, you know, whatever they had been in before this, they had the experience. So they knew but they didn't, it was, it was so natural to them that they didn't really need anything else. So after this, Jeff Franklin talks about our famous heart talks. And so I've been doing, talking about these heart talks so far through the entire season. And he, w- he really wanted these particular moments in the episode to be like trademark for the show, that they would be a little bit kind of cheesy, but it almost became something that they were known for at the end, you know? So it was kind of a mix of comedy and sometimes they had, sometimes they had comedy mixed with drama. Sometimes it was drama and no comedy. There's particular episodes that I'm having in my brain running through my head right now that I'm saying, okay, that heart talk was super dramatic, and there wasn't a stitch of comedy in there at all. And, um, oh, a good example is from the Miracle of Thanksgiving, when they talk about Pam, Jesse and Danny talk about Pam, that's very emotional and dramatic and sad, and there's no comedy there. So Jeff really wanted to have a real moment in each episode, and he wanted to show friendship. He said the bottom line was what's really important here. So friends that are always there for each other, almost becoming family members in that way, becoming so close to the family. And so that also became this kind of reoccurring theme through the show. We see this sacrifice of Jesse and Joey's lives. They literally, at in episode one, Lord knows what they were doing even before that, but we see Jesse and Joey coming in to the Tanner home. They just gave up their lives. They gave up their lives. So that is, that is a, a very heartfelt gesture and... I think that in itself really morphed the characters and helped the actors as well on how they feel towards their characters too. 
But I think that's going to do it for today's commentary on this episode of Mad Money. Stay tuned, and we're going to get right into the episode right after this. All right. Awesome. Welcome back. Right now, we are going to be doing our episode run-through. So, as I said before, this is episode 21 called Mad Money. This one was written by Rob Edwards, somebody that I am not familiar with. I don't think he has done an episode yet as far as writing goes. Um, I'm not really uh, too familiar with that name, but uh, we of course have Jeff Franklin directing here and Lenny Rips and Don Van Atta for production on this one. The original air date is April 29th, 1988. So I want you to keep that year in mind as we're going to be going through. So 1988. Okay, keep that in mind. The little description here on this one is, so after Joey receives an old savings bond, he buys everyone gifts, but forgets about an old loan that he owed Danny. Jesse also reveals a dazzling secret. So this one has, like we talked about in the first half of the episode, that it does have two main adult storylines that kind of are independent and then they kind of come together and then they split apart again through the episode. So I hope that I can get this right for you and we'll get started. So we start off here with D Danny and DJ. They're in the living room on the couch watching, which I thought this was so cute. They're watching a practice run of Stephanie doing her show and tell, show and tell um, item for school. So Stephanie decides that she's going to bring Michelle as her show and tell item, which I mean, if you think about it, we haven't seen any kind of personal very close thing to Stephanie, Mr. Bear, yet. And so Stephanie really doesn't have anything that would be all that interesting to show and tell about. So maybe she realized this and Danny thought it was cute enough to use Michelle in this way, I guess. In my opinion, I think it's adorable. And you know how much I love Stephanie. She's my favorite. And I love how they start off with her here in this one. So here at, we're at one minute now, 51 seconds. So since we know that that baby wrangler is behind the couch, we know that she handed Michelle off to Stephanie. Like I had said, Stephanie kind of walks behind the couch there and pulls Michelle out. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, why is Michelle like chilling back behind the couch by herself? there's someone else back there with her hiding. So interesting. So DJ then asks, does Michelle have a big sister who is really cool? And so she's obviously waiting for that answer to be her. But Stephanie, being Stephanie, says, yes, me. <laughs> Which gets a little reaction there from the audience. This is really cute. So Stephanie concludes her presentation and Danny puts Michelle in her playpen as he is doing that. Jesse opens the front door all like stealth like. He doesn't want anyone to see him. He's carrying this 
mysterious duffel bag and like you're like why is he being so sneaky here like what is he doing but Danny notices and Jesse's like hello goodbye and tries to leave again but Danny tells him to wait and says and says that for the past five days he's been sneaking in and out of the house carrying this mysterious duffel bag without an explanation. Also note that Jesse is not wearing his motorcycle gear. Hmm. So that brought up a question in my mind of what was Jesse driving? So since we have only seen two other vehicles in the show, which are Joey's Beetle from episode 10, Joey's Place and episode 11, the big 3-0, where we see Danny's red car bullet. So what vehicle was Jesse driving? It certainly wasn't his motorcycle. That much we know for sure. So we also had a mention, but not a, we didn't never got to see this car, but we did have a mention in episode five, Sea Cruise, where it is revealed that Danny drives a country squire. So maybe he drove that, but at the same time, Jesse is obviously not the type of guy who would even be seen dead in a country squire. So there's a little bit of some unanswered questions there concerning what he drove, but I mean, that's a super minor thing here, so let's move on. So the girls also notice Jesse's strange behavior and want to know where he's been going to all the time. And I mean, I totally understand their concern, too, since if you look at the last two episodes that we've covered here, all they were all about Jesse leaving and possibly not returning home. So they may be concerned over the thought of him maybe going to find somewhere else to live. It's all one giant possibility in their minds. So for sure, I mean, I could understand their concern about this, but this is never a topic that's brought up in this episode at all. But if you look at it from that kind of perspective, you'll, you'll see it too, that the girls are like, where are you going? What are you doing? Like they don't want him to try the stunt he did in the last two episodes. Like that was scary for them. They don't want to experience that again. So here we go. Jesse then tries to leave again after being questioned about what's in his bag, but is interrupted by Joey entering like as Jesse's leaving, Joey is entering at the front door at the same time. So Joey enters saying he loves everyone and he's also holding a huge duffel bag. Joey goes on to explain that he got a call from his mom that morning. So we know his mother to be Mindy. We saw her in episode four, the return of grandma. So Mindy told him that she found an old savings bond of his in her safe deposit box. And it was $5,000. That's a lot of money, even for today. So he then pulls this money out of his pocket. Like, uh, this is the part that really kind of, like, I don't get this. Um, I understand if 
like the times, I, I guess, and that money wasn't like completely digital, like it kind of is today. I mean, people still use cash and stuff for things, but who balls up $5,000 like that? Like he's got a literal ball of money and keeps it in his pocket in a ball. No rubber band, no folder or envelope, no paperwork. It's a literal ball of cash. Like, knowing Joey, it's not surprising, but it does seem quite irresponsible, if you ask me. I mean, so, I mean, the family then congratulate him on his newfound money. He has already spent some of it, as he says, presents for everyone. So he's got not $5,000, like he just said. He's got less because he's already went out and blew it on stuff. Not not the whole chunk, but, you know, stuff here and there. So he goes on to, okay, this is really, really interesting. Oh, goodness me. Okay, so he says presents for everybody. Joey gets Michelle a baby lawnmower. But wait, there's more. I... I was so blown away at this because in episode 19, so two episodes ago, in Seven Month Itch Part 1, I am not even kidding. You go to a minute 41 to a minute 45. We see, it's the very beginning of Seven Month Itch Part 1. We see Jesse walking from the kitchen into the living room. He's on the phone with Sam. And as he is making his way through the living room, his foot literally gets caught on a baby lawnmower. He then kind of kicks it off, picks it up, and throws it into Michelle's empty playpen. I just... Why... Why did Joey get her that when we saw one two episodes ago? I'm, I don't understand. So at three minutes, 35 seconds, where we're at now, Michelle starts to play with this new lawnmower. But if you compare the two lawnmowers, one from episode 19, one from this episode, they're two different toys. They have different colorings. They're a little bit different in size. So what happened to this old Lawnmower. I have some unanswered questions here about this. So if Michelle already had one, I mean, why would Joey buy her a totally different one of the same thing? And even knowing that she had one two episodes ago, just. Mm. Okay, moving on to the next gift. It is DJ's turn. So Joey decides He just, like, hands her this. He's like, oh, I got you two brightly colored pieces of paper. She then turns them around to reveal that they are tickets to go see Bruce Springsteen, which, knowing me and my investigative work, I had to look this up and confirm if this concert even happened. So I went to um, my databases and my research uh, things and found out that there was a 
concert by Bruce Springsteen coming up that same year in 1988. He was going on this tour called Human Rights Now for Amnesty International. And this particular concert was going to be Bruce Springsteen featuring Peter Gabriel and Tracy, Ch Tracy Chapman to be held on September 23rd, 1988 at the Oco Coliseum in San Francisco, California. So it was the only concert that year, according to my research, that was going to take place in San Francisco. So I can only assume that's the tickets he got her to go to this particular show. And unfortunately, no episodes took place during the September of 1988. So at that time, they were probably on a break in between seasons. And she maybe went to this concert, which is pretty cool. So, okay, now it is Stephanie's turn. And there is something truly, truly interesting about what she gets. So at we're at four minutes now, 20 seconds. And Joey gets Stephanie a brand new bike. Okay, let's back up a little bit, okay? Um, did we not go over this already? I just, I can't help but remember when we saw that in episode 17, Danny's very first date, that the prize for the most honey sold with the honeybees was a brand new bike. And even Stephanie said in that episode, and I quote, that seat was made for my tush. Okay. Unquote. This tells me one thing. That Stephanie did not sell the most honey out of her honeybee troop. And she did not win that bike. So I think... That in this instance, Joey may have felt bad that she didn't win the bike and decided to get her one anyways. Even Danny says to Joey, you really shouldn't have. That is my professional analysis based on this particular gift. So she runs outside screaming and starts to ride it into the house where Joey helps her by picking her up so she doesn't fall off on the stairs there leading from the, from the front door. She says thank you about a million times, and he leads Stephanie through the living room and through the kitchen and into the backyard. He says to Jesse and Danny to hold on and that he has gifts for them as well. Jesse is hoping Joey got him a new motorcycle. But, like, doesn't he have one? Like I mentioned before, he didn't ride it home. Did something happen to said motorcycle? Not yet, but stay tuned for that because that's going to be amazing. Okay, anyway, Danny is convinced. He already knows what Joey's going to get him, which is a big mistake for one. And he thinks he's going to give Danny $800 in cash, which... Even today, that's a nice chunk of change. And he thinks this because 11 years ago, Danny loaned Joey $800 to fix his car. Probably, I'm guessing, 
the beetle that Joey possesses because that thing looks rough, man. If we go back to jo Joey's place, that episode, you can see it in the garage there. It's just, it looks rough, man. So, so Joey never paid back Danny, but Danny is also jumping to conclusions here and assuming Joey is just going to give him 800 bucks when he hasn't even mentioned anything about it at all since the beginning of the episode of the series that this $800 was owed to him. So Danny goes on to tell Jesse that by Joey just giving him the money, the gesture in itself would be good enough and he'll just give the money right back to him. So he's already playing out what he thinks may happen and he just needs to like stop and like hold his horses because he doesn't even know for sure yet. And I feel like he just needs to just stop with this because that's why he gets so mad later on because his expectations of Joey are not met the way he wants them to be met. And it just turns into this whole thing. So Jesse thinks it's the most stupidest thing ever that he's ever heard in his life. And like I'm expressing, I agree with that, really. Then we have a small scene change where we see DJ, who's still in the living room at this point, and Jesse's mysterious duffel bag is still in there on the floor. She's kind of circling around this bag, and she's, like, conflicted. It's actually kind of, like, silly. She's trying to talk herself out of searching the bag, <laughs> pretty much. Like, she slaps her own hand, like, no, don't touch it. But she talks to Michelle, who's in the playpen. And she has this idea about using Michelle to find out what's in this bag so, so DJ doesn't get pinned for it. Such a sister thing to do, really. So DJ finds, finds an Oreo just sitting on the table there, I guess. There's a bowl of them. And uses it, uses the cookie as bait to literally get her sister into finding out what's in the bag. So like I said, it's a classic sister moment here, really is. <laughs> Michelle is hypnotized by the cookie and by her facial expressions here in this scene. You can definitely see she is totally hypnotized by this Oreo. Would have been a perfect ad for Oreo. I'm just saying <laughs> that she... Michelle allows DJ to lead her to the bag with the cookie DJ puts the cookie in the bottom of the duffel bag and tells Michelle to find the cookie. So this scene in particular was one that Jeff Franklin even said that the Olsons actually did all by themselves. They had no one behind that camera kind of, kind of leading them in the right direction. This was all them, which is so impressive, really is, if you go to this scene here and and take a look at that. I think it was really just way impressive for them. So she goes looking for the cookie in the bag. And while her hand is in the bag. Okay. Danny and Jesse enter back into the living room. So she's like literally almost caught in the act. But they're, they enter in just to witness the 
tail end of her crafty act. So Michelle is just so proud of herself that she was able to extract the cookie and gets a good solid applause from that live audience that's there. So very well played, Michelle. And so Jesse has a seat and confronts DJ and Michelle and DJ, of course, immediately, without hesitation, blames Michelle. She even points her finger at her. Oh, it's her fault. She did it. <laughs> so Jesse says to Michelle that her punishment is to give him one kiss. So DJ takes Michelle upstairs and Joey enters to give the boys their gifts, handing each one of them an envelope. They open them to find out that their gift and you're kind of as a viewer looking and you're like anticipating Danny opening this envelope and it being this $800 that he so desperately is expecting. And you're just you're waiting to find out. So they both receive a lifetime pass, <laughs> a lifetime pass to the Great American Amusement Park. <laughs> Okay, Danny is is like not impressed while Jesse doesn't really care, I guess. He just uh, he just doesn't really care. And then he leaves the house and as he's going on his way out, like you can see that he kind of steps down right before he's out of the camera view. He likes, he like steps down to grab his duffel bag that was still on the floor. So no one really notices him taking it or questions it, even though this episode so far has really been about finding out what's in that bag and it's unclear where he goes at this point it looks like he leaves the house but if we look at the episode more than once we can I was guessing that he left um left the house if you've seen the episode more than once you would guess on where he would be going but I'm gonna take a really quick short break and we'll be right back to find out what else Joey purchased with his five thousand dollars all right, welcome back. So now we're going to talk about what else did Joey purchase with this newfound money from his mom? Okay, so he's talking to Danny at this point, and Danny was, like, confused that he received this pass to the Great American Amusement Park. And and he's just like, what the... And, and like I said before, he's he's had these expectations this whole time now that he was going to receive this $800 and they were their Joey's debt was going to finally be settled and all this and they were going to be fine. And so Joey goes on to tell Danny that he actually bought a pinball machine at a 1964 Gumby and Pokey pinball machine, which he bought for $1,275, which I could not find one online to find out a, you know, a, a 2022 price for one. But even back then, $1,275 is quite a lot of money and a good chunk of that 5000 that Joey did receive. So at 
7 minutes, 46 seconds. Um, Danny kind of really steps in here as a friend and tells Joey, this is the reason you're broke. Because you spend your money on pointless things. So Danny is really trying to give him solid financial advice, but Joey wants him to lighten up and is acting silly while Danny is essentially chasing him around the living room. And it seems to be quite a joke to Joey in that since he has this money, he can do whatever he wants with it. And Danny brings up old debts and Joey stops him clear in his tracks and says, what do you mean old debts? You know, what are you even, what are you even talking about? Pretty much. He's like, I don't have any old debts. Who would be stupid enough to loan me money? And the way that Danny just totally shuts him down here with an exact date is mind-blowing to me. How this has been on Danny's mind for 11 years now. So Danny replies with, Me, Palm Springs, March 12th, 1977. So Joey's excuse was that he had completely forgot and asks Danny, why did you wait 11 years to say something? And Danny was like, oh, I was going to give you two more years to pay him back the money before he brought it up, I guess. is that That's what he means there. But since now that Joey has the money, it was kind of a perfect opportunity to bring this topic up. But Joey then feels bad, of course, and offers Danny the whole ball of money with added interest. But Danny stated earlier, he didn't really want the money back. Which, if you don't really want the money back, why bring it up anyway? Like, why bring it up at all? You know, he just wanted Joey to offer it back on his own free will. But how was Joey supposed to know that? You know, if it's not brought up, I would, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's Joey. You know, what do you expect? So they start to have a little tiff back and forth about Joey giving it and Danny accepting it. And Danny wants him to invest it. And Joey responds by saying he is investing it by giving it to Danny. So Danny will like get off his back about it. Um, so now we are at 9 minutes, 17 seconds. So we have a small scene change here where we are in Jesse's room. But I really thought earlier that he left the house. Remember, he was like right at the edge of the camera. He bent down to grab his bag. And I thought that he left the house. But since he told the guys, like, he would see them later. He was like, see you later, guys. And he like picked up his bag and like walked out of view we never saw him go upstairs we never really saw him leave the house or stay in the house anywhere so he actually took his bag Jesse did took his bag and snuck around Joey and Danny you could you don't see this um in the episode that I noticed he snuck around them somehow and he comes out he's in his bedroom like he just is magically in his bedroom and he comes out from behind the door with this, what -ah! and the door like closes, he's back behind it, and he's wearing the most brilliant outfit 
of all. Better than the blue, the blue disco outfit that we saw a few episodes ago. This one is so much better, which it's a complete recre recreation of Elvis's outfit from, I think Jeff Franklin said, oh man, was it Aloha? It was uh, Elvis Aloha. Oh, Aloha from Elvis. That's what it was from 1972. So that's pretty interesting. And so, as explained, yeah, we we talked about it a little bit in the, uh, Jeff talked about it a little bit in the commentary, but this is a, a white jumpsuit with bedazzling details, a long V-cut V-neck in the front, and it's just absolutely brilliant, so awesome costume design there for that team, awesome job. I just love, love, love this. Super awesome. So all of a sudden, so Jesse's in his room with the door closed. We hear a knock at the door. And it's DJ. So he clearly at this point is paranoid that they're going to see his outfit. He wants to hide this outfit. He doesn't want anyone seeing him wearing it. He finds a robe really fast and covers himself to open the door. So both DJ and Stephanie enter the room and look at him in this robe covering himself and they're obviously confused as to what he may be hiding. I mean, they're just staring at him. And so Danny comes in looking confused, too. At 10 minutes, 10 seconds, you can actually see if you're looking at Jesse. So we have Danny on the left, Jesse, and then the girls. So if you're looking at Jesse here, his left leg moves like a tiny bit, like and it's obviously he moved it on purpose and his pant leg fell down. So it falls down for all to see. Then Danny opens the rest of the robe to reveal Jesse's Elvis attire, his full outfit with a big collar and the dazzling jewels. So cool. He looks embarrassed. Jesse does. And now his secret has been revealed. Okay. DJ thinks it's cool. And I think that's a great reaction to have. They, they weren't, attacking him they weren't embarrassing him or laughing at him they thought it was a really cool little outfit that he had going on for him and so he invites everybody in the room at this point to sit down and admits to them that he's been doing a tribute to the king the show called rock and roll heaven he goes on to tell them he's saving his money to record some of his own personal songs into a demo and that this particular night was going to be the last night of this rock and roll heaven. So he didn't want to share this with the family because he thinks of himself as having his own musical identity, like he says in the episode. And so we have seen this since episode one where he is an exterminator during the day and does his music on the side, more or less. He's in several different bands, projects. He's obviously a musician first and then exterminator second, even though this exterminator job takes more of his time. He's getting kind of, he's getting kind of irritated, I think, because he just doesn't have time for his music like he wants to. But... 
Danny and the girls express that they want to see the show. But Jesse is sort of afraid that they would come to make fun of him. And I don't know why he would, but he is. Like, he's just afraid of them. But right when he says this, Joey comes in and starts laughing at Jesse wearing the Elvis outfit, which was brotherly. <laughs> I guess in a way it was it was something I think brothers would do, you know, but also kind of rude. Mm. So, yeah, you can tell by Jesse's facial expression here that it definitely brought down his self-esteem and he was extra afraid now that the whole family's coming to that show that night. So... I like right now, too, in this part of the episode where we've kind of stopped talking about this money thing with Joey and we're on to this next adult topic, this next adult storyline here. And it kind of breaks away from that and gives you a show, a literal show. So now here at 11 minutes, 30 seconds, we see the opening act for the Rock and Roll Heaven show. So this is very cool because it's like a live show within a live show, if you know what I mean. So they have this, they're on a different set. Looks like the same location where we saw Joey doing his comedy routine in episode 16. But seriously, folks, the introducer in this episode is not the same guy, though, from, from uh, But Seriously, folks. It's a different guy. So he comes out in a little bit, but let me talk about who is on the stage. Right now we see a Marilyn Monroe impersonator singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. She's actually pretty good. I'd have to say that about her. She's She looks like her. She sounds like her. She's wearing diamonds. She's intriguing. She's good. She sounds good. And uh, the family kind of comes in as she's singing, um, and they... They have a reserved table in the front. So that was interesting. So they're kind of, they're enjoying it. Danny reminds Joey there that they're not going to fight in front of the girls. So we now know that this little tiff that they've been having has lasted the entire day so far. How adult of them. Ugh. So DJ says about the Marilyn Monroe impersonator. She's so funny. She's like, look, it's a Madonna lookalike. And you can't help but like roll your eyes at that comment, but you can't help but roll your eyes even more at this next comment. Okay, so she, <laughs> so Danny corrects her and tells her it's Marilyn Monroe, not Madonna. And DJ replies with, boy, did she rip off Madonna. Oh my gosh. Oh, this poor girl doesn't know who Marilyn Monroe is. Oh, what a life. Oh, man. Okay, so at we're at 12 minutes, 17 seconds, we see the introducer who we're going to get to his name at the end of the episode because he's actually got some pretty cool, interesting facts about him. But so he introduces the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. So Jesse comes out revealing himself to be this Elvis impersonator, accompanied by three background singers. And this scene is so hard to describe 
because you just have to see it. And it's just one of those staple Uncle Jesse scenes, probably in the whole show. And with Jesse's character, it's such a big statement as a, a musician. I mean, he's impersonating an artist that he's adored since he was four years old. He's in this He's in this show and he's loving it and he's really taking the the Elvis in, if you know what I mean. So this is the same sequence too in which he throws this he throws this scarf to these two women in the front row. They're sitting at a table together. And it happens to be Loretta Stamos, John Stamos's mother, and Carol Franklin, Jeff Franklin the creator and director of this show's mother. So he throws them a scarf and they kind of tussle over it for a second. But they actually had to like beg Jeff for a cameo in one of his episodes. They were like, can't you just like put us in the show like once? Maybe you're our son. Like, please help us. They wanted so bad. So it was kind of this perfect opportunity because there was this audience with people. And so they put him in there and I thought that was really cool. So John Stamos, man, he just does an absolutely amazing job doing this. And it was almost like he was made for it. If you really watch his movements and it's not that long of a scene, it's really not. It's maybe like three and a half minutes long. And so he just goes through multiple Elvis songs. And after, after he throws the scarves to the moms, we see Jesse we see Jesse kind of turn around in the background there. One of those three vocalists quickly and very sneakily puts new scarves on Jesse's shoulders. So he throws the scarf. There's nothing there. And then boom, magically, you can see the guy do it. If you look really quick, he's there and he's, he's like there as like this. I'm going to get the mic out of your way when you don't need it. I'm going to move the cord away from your feet. I'm going to put scarves on you. He's the same guy who will eventually tape the cape to his back. He's like the roadie slash tech slash background vocalist that's there at this point. Maybe he works for the place. I don't know. That's not made known at all. But it happens really fast. You just have to watch it there. So he goes over to the Tanner's table and gives the new scarves to DJ and Stephanie as well. Then we have this slow song played and John Stamos just sings so well. It's, it's the best. And we see a background singer. Oh, this is the Eagle. He puts the Eagle cape on him and it's all dramatic and cheesy. And he's just so perfect as Elvis. Like, honestly, come on now. He's just rocking this whole heart up there. And he was just born to be there. Then he poses to the crowd because it's kind of over this performance. And he throws, he does like the spin move, boof. And he like throws the cape into the crowd on the side there and exits the stage. And then we fade out and we are home again. Okay. So I'm assuming at this point in the episode that we're going to kind of go back to the money issue. 
So we are now at the Tanner home. It is later that night and the girls are inspired and they start imitating Jesse as Elvis and they just loved him too. And they do this, they do this thing, this little Elvis song. And then they do a karate move. They go, ha, at the end of it, which we have seen them do before. I was like, I was having a moment when I saw this. I had to really think about where it was, but I found it in episode six, Daddy's Home, where Danny taught Stephanie an Elvis song for her talent show or some kind of recital, and she mixed it with the karate moves that Danny was teaching DJ. So it was like this morphed Elvis karate thing. If you know anything about Elvis, he was very experienced in martial arts and karate. So having knowing that and knowing about this Elvis song and karate mixture is pretty interesting. It's pretty funny. So Joey goes on, still tries to give Danny the money and Danny keeps giving it back. So Jesse enters still wearing his Elvis and this Marilyn Monroe lady is now with him. They're like in the threshold of the front door. So Jesse tells them that he's been offered the Elvis gig as long as he wants, but we don't hear about this ever again. So Jesse doesn't know, though, and questions Marilyn Monroe about getting sick of imitating. Like, he asks her, like, don't you get sick of imitating Marilyn Monroe? And she said that she is, in fact, the real Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> and at this point, I'm looking directly at Jesse's face because the way he backs away from her with this face that is just screaming she is insane he like creeps away from her and the other guys are like oh my word like get her out of here she's insane so she eventually leaves and we are now in the kitchen where Danny is still trying to give Joey his money back. Joey is trying to make a sandwich. So in this particular scene is one that my mom and I still quote to this very day. So the differences between the way Joey makes a sandwich and how Danny makes a sandwich. So first of all, Joey pulls out a dirty knife from the sink water, then proceeds to wipe it off on his pants. Lovely. Lovely. Then he puts it inside the mayonnaise jar. So he just contaminated the entire jar of mayonnaise by doing that. Lord knows what was on that knife. Disgusting. So Danny can't sit there and watch this take place because he's Danny. So he gets up and he offers to demonstrate how a mature adult makes a sandwich. So Danny starts to take over. And of course he's going to. He can't, he can't stand to see Joey make a sandwich like a complete slob. So here we are, Danny's differences. He gets a clean, <laughs> he gets a clean knife from the drawer, but he sticks it in the same 
mayonnaise jar that Joey just contaminated. Yeah. He then puts mayonnaise on the sandwich and Joey even questions him. Oh, I bet you have to get another knife. And the way that Danny looks at him and says, have to, is brilliant. Oh, brilliant. So he gets another clean knife from the drawer to use for the mustard. And he says, and we paint it on. Now it's time for the ham and cheese. And we alternate ham, cheese, ham, cheese. So in every bite, we have an equal amount of ham and cheese. Joey goes on to say that Danny is one of the most predictable people on the planet and that he can't stand when things are out of place. And we'll get more into this right after this short break. So welcome back. Thanks for sticking with me here. I know it's been a very long one this time, but we have a, this one is very, it's got a lot going on here. And so we're going to get into when Jesse tells Danny that he's the most predictable person on the planet and that he can't stand when things are out of place. So we've discussed this. We discussed, we talked about it a lot in episode four, the return of grandma. And I had talked about the very end, how right after that episode is where we see this shift in Danny's personality in which he wasn't a perfectionist before that episode, but he became one after that episode. So if you remember that episode, he was basically made to clean the house in fear of his mother moving in with him to help him care for his children and he was just so scared of that and I think that um he just he 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 developed this severe um OCD about cleanliness and we're seeing it here yet again in this particular scene so if you look in the background in this scene there is a laundry basket in the laundry room area, I think it's on top of the washer or the dryer, I can't tell, but it's full of clothes. So as they're discussing, Danny can't stand things out of place. There's a full laundry basket full of clothes. So I wonder whose day for laundry it was. So it's surprising that Danny didn't notice that. So the fact that Danny is a perfectionist is true. And, and it references many other times I have talked about Danny having OCD. So Joey then pushes it even farther, which if you have extreme OCD or the type of OCD, which cleaning is part of it, this would drive you insane. So Joey pushes it even farther by taking a crumb from his sandwich and putting it directly in front of Danny on the table. And Danny just stares at it. Danny can't stand it. Joey pushes it again by putting two crumbs on the table. And then proceeds to tell Danny how this place is a pigsty. But Danny pulls out how Joey, everything to Joey is this joke. And Joey responds to this by saying something very profound, which I have been waiting for since that seems to be a theme going on with Joey. 
if you if you've listened to our previous episodes, Joey does have this massive amount of wisdom hiding behind his sense of humor. And it's very interesting to see it come out in these particular ways. And right here, he says, you only go around once. You might as well get all the smiles in you can. Wow, Joey. Even though they're kind of fighting right now, that was solid, man. That was that was good. But Joey runs downstairs into his bedroom. And of course, Danny has to take the crumbs off the table. He can't just leave them there. He can't just leave them there. So as they go down into Joey's room, Danny throws the crumbs and Joey's blue trash can there. It's like a tall trash can right by the stairs. He also throws the money ball at Joey. But Joey is being silly and he doesn't want it and he's kind of running around and avoiding Danny and they decide to settle it by doing an arm wrestle. But then Jesse enters, now changed into different clothing. So while they are arguing, to explain how he doesn't know if he will take the Elvis job, then Joey and Danny continue to argue. Ultimately, Jesse decides to take the job. But again, we've never heard here we never hear about this job again. So then Jesse leaves the room. They look at each other, Danny and Joey, and they kind of start this heart talk, okay? So they kind of start here a little bit. It's like simmering. And so Danny states that he's been friends with Joey for 19 years, four months, and three days, which, of course, I did a slight amount of math for this. But if you take 19, if you minus 19 from Danny's age, which we know at this point to be 30 years old, we get 11. So, and that would be, I think, consistent with what I know to be true about the first meeting of Danny and Joey, but that's a whole nother episode all in itself. And so Danny and Joey agree with each other's advice to, to Jesse about the job. They're like, oh, you gave great advice. Oh, you did too, bro. That's great advice. That's great. That's awesome. So they completely stop arguing at this point and they start talking about old times and old memories and they how they've helped each other out here and there. And Joey asks him to please take the money and Danny accepts it. So they've finally settled this dispute that they've been having for an entire day now. And it is now settled. Danny accepts the money. So that is the episode. And ah, I just thank you for sticking with it, man. So much to go through here. There's two different storylines, so much info behind everything as well. Let's get into more info, just a little bit more to go since we have to go through our guest stars for this episode. Yeah. So we have two we have two guest stars here that are that are credited at the end of this episode. We have Arlene Lore. She played 
the Marilyn Monroe impersonator. So she was active in the film and TV from 1988, this actually being her first role in anything until 2020, where she starred in the movie Turducken. So no trivia was available that I saw about her, but she was mostly known for her role in Dinosaurs, the TV show from the 90s, where she did 11 episodes of that. Okay, next to guest star, we have Mr. Robert, or Bob, Perlow. So he was the announcer who introduced the king of rock and roll at the show that Jesse was doing. So he was also, interestingly enough, a writer for episode 11, The Big 3-0, also a writer for the TV shows Laverne and Shirley, and, who's the boss, was the live introducer for the cast during live tapings of this show and would pump up the audience before taping so that they could have a good time during the live tapings. So other than this episode, he was actually featured in another one. Season 4, episode 23, Joey Goes Hollywood. He also starred in the Jeff Franklin-directed film Love Stinks, which premiered in 1999 as warm-up guy. So those are our two credited guest stars for this episode. So I do want to touch on this one little thing here. We also see, like I mentioned before, we see John Stamos's mom, Loretta, and Jeff's Franklin's mom, Carol, in the audience at the Rock and Roll Heaven show. But they were not credited for this role, seeing that it was not a speaking role. All right, and I think that's going to do it today. I appreciate you sticking with me, and I know it's been a long one, and I appreciate the support. And if you guys have any Full House questions or trivia, you can contact me at fullhousepodcast01 at gmail.com or on my Instagram, that's what's this Full House, or on Facebook at what's this Full House Edition Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. As always, I am your host, Amy, and I will. See you next time. The Full House Edition podcast has no affiliation with Full House or the Warner Brothers Studio. The views and opinions given by the participants are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the companies that they happen to work for. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.